Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to keep it positive, people, we've decided <laughs> to make this a drinking game. <laughs> Good. So anytime you hear us say anything negative at all, you're going to hear this sound. That sound means that we need to take a drink and we need to get back to keeping it positive, people. We hope you drink along with us. So pour yourselves that glass and uh, let's see what Brendan Fraser's got to offer in this one. Ah, oh, all right. Boy. So I'm not even making shot. a joke at the beginning. Pre-show <laughs> shot, my friends. Cheers. Bottoms up. Jeff, I haven't had pre- anything to I can, eat I can, today. I can hear ice. Have you had a pre-show <laughs> cocktail instead? Like, was I that do. What that I have was? two ice cubes. I usually just go for the one, but I got the two today. Clunky, so I, I, actually, I literally drank that right in front of just my microphone, don't, too. Don't, don't be going another round on us. It sounded great. Another round? Oh, my God. <laughs> People, today we are going to be talking about The Whale, the new Darren Aronofsky film starring Brendan Fraser, Hong Chow, Sadie Sink. We're going to get to that in a couple minutes. But first, let's do some shout-outs really quick to get this episode rolling. John, can you shout our people out, please? Oh, yeah. We have a beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barozzo. You can find his beer-making antics and adventures on the uh, the old gram there. Follow that handle. It's in our notes, at cbarozzo.beer. And the music you hear on this episode and every single episode is provided by the artist Dasein. Dave thinks something's funny. I love that old gram. <laughs> the old gram. Old Grammy. <laughs> Dasein's music is available for free on all the usual music platforms. Uh, last week, I believe, they just released their most recent work. It is the first part of Nescient, their most recent uh, long-form piece. Check it out. It's fucking awesome. It's available on all the platforms. Okay, so wait, right, wait, guys, wait. When you say when you say long-form, like they, the, the songs they released are, uh, are like an hour long. So long-form is like So the, the, piece, the piece is like an hour long <laughs> and we divided it into like a smaller long pieces. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, cool. Bit, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, I know the Golden Globes don't matter at all, but the nominations that they came do not. out today. Oh, boy, they did. Let's talk about it. Hey, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing special. We have seen a lot of the films, a lot. So if you are interested in award season, go through our feed. And, you know, we have Avatar coming next week. Babylon was also nominated. So that's, you know, eight and a half hours of two movies that we get to watch ahead of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, we're pretty, you know. Just wasted our lives. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to get into this movie Again, directed by Darren Aronofsky, who, after having an incredible, incredible run from Requiem for a Dream to The Fountain, The Wrestler, Black Swan, really tested us, really put his career at risk with Noah and fucking Mother. And so here he is. <laughs> Perhaps... oh, you want to you hear it get fucking contentious? Go back to the Noah episode. We had oh to God, cut things. Oh, boy. <laughs> we had to cut things. Dave pretended so hard to like that movie. I respect you for that, Dave, because we are a positive podcast. Um, we're going to talk about The Whale in a second, but we always go through our gripes of the week. So, folks, we hope you stick with us. We will. Pro- I promise we'll get to the episode soon. Uh, we'll try to keep it spoiler free for a couple of minutes if you have not seen The Whale. And then at the end of the episode, our recommendations and the things we've been watching in our final segment, what you've been watching. Some good shit this week, but we got to get through our gripes so we can start talking about The Whale. So, fellas, it's our first episode. We're in two show. This is a two record night. So we're not we're not we're not saucy yet. But do you guys have a gripe that you want to get <laughs> off your chest? <laughs> I mean, I have a mini one. 
Okay, mini gripe. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go Please for start it. the gripe time. Yeah, uh, last last week during my uh, boring day job, I was scheduled 70 hours for the week. No human <laughs> being should be doing 70 hours for the week. Thank you for coming to my fucking TED talk. All right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's too many hours, dude. It's it's insane. I'm, I'm just like, I'm a robot? No. Wow. All right, I got that's one. It. I got one. 70 hours. <laughs> no, I mean, sorry to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Start, but aban- everybody abandon the, the hustle. Abandon the hustle. Make money, money, make money, money, money. John. Go. All right. Uh, AMC Theaters Uh for The Whale. I don't know if this happened to you guys, so I guess I'm also going to ask you. um, There is a, what we call like the animated credits before it goes to the traditional black screen credits in this movie. And this is a very emotional movie and a very emotional ending. And they turned the lights on during the animated credits. What? And everybody was very sad and was I could feel people like trying to be emotive because it was a, it's a very powerful ending. And then the lights came on and we were like, oh, what the fuck? So uh, hold those fucking lights until it goes to the actual end credits and make people feel like there's still an experience going on there. That was weird. Oh, uh, you mean really those, me those initial credits? So before the actual scroll happens. Yes, mm. uh, I, that happened in that happened in mine as well. Um, okay, I guess this is part not, of the I'm instructions. Sure, for yeah, this, I'm not sure whether they specify why. that. We, we we should find that out one day. Like, because do they specify the lights up time? Because they don't it's... do it for Marvel. They don't do it well, for no. the comic book ones, right? They leave those down until they it goes down to the because you know something scroll. else is coming, or at least they want to tease you if it's not. But yeah, anyway, that bothered me because I was very emotional. I was I was yeah. feeling it groovy, and then the lights came yeah, on. No, I was like, nobody ah, yeah. nobody <laughs> wants to like have like the fucking lights come up and they sit there ugly crying in the theater. That's just not yeah, cool. yeah, honestly, not cool. Honestly. Let everyone have their moment. But one thing I will say though, um, just quickly, is at, at when those credits rolled, a lot of my theater stayed and watched them. That's good, huh? Yeah. All right, Jeff, good. what you got? Okay. Is going, guys, audiences film and tv makers why are we so prudish what happened to all the chest hair why is everyone nowadays completely shaved now this comes because tom holland aka spider-man who's 25 a full-grown man was embarrassed by his chest hair for uncharted which is his chance to not be a high school boy anymore but look at this guys burt reynolds brando clift grant James Conn. Actually, literally everybody who was ever in The Godfather. Chest hair. All of the Bonds. Chest hair. And nowadays, Disney, Marvel. Ben Affleck grew a beard, but we didn't see his chest hair in Batman. Everybody's shaving their shit. All the Jokers. Why are we so obsessed with this? What is up with us? When was the last time Jared Leto showed some fucking chest hair? Like, come on, people. Like, be Let the men be men. I, we're shaving them. This is what I'm talking about. It's okay, people. I don't have a lot of chest <laughs> hair. Down. But we are intentionally <laughs> saying you cannot get... We are prudish again. The 90s is over. I thought we grew up, but no, we are more prudish than the '90s when it comes to some fucking chest hair. Come on. I will. Uh, I will cheers. Your, cheers your, to did, uh, did Alfred wax Batman? Well, how, Robert Pattinson has chest hair. How come he didn't have it as the Batman? Did Ro- your, did, yeah, did Alfred your, your pin him down? Is part of my cunning plan. I have it all. <laughs> Dave has has stolen all the chest hair. Yes, it's on my chest, my back, my shoulders. You know, men oh. are re- men are really. I feel like they're. Uh, they're not really supposed to be that kind of manly look anymore. I, I, I don't finished, get it. Everybody's so fucking pretty right now. Everybody's just, so fucking chiseled. And respect to those yeah. actors, they work their butts off. But like, honestly, everybody kind of looks like a boy. Even the big, giant, muscular ones, somehow they still look like the youngest version of themselves yeah. possible. It's I'll weird. About, I'll talk about the White Lotus at the end of this podcast. But anybody who took their shirt off, that was a guy, no chest hair. All the Italians kept their shirts on at the beach, at the pool. Come on. 
Fuck. <laughs> That's because they had no chest hair because I've taken it all. <laughs> Dude, what is going on? Was it just the one gripe? It's the plastic. Yeah, just the one gripe. Because we missed you. Like, I have a list, but yeah, we, have any, more, we have more have any, Yeah, you don't have some. No, uh, I, I have them prepped. I have a list. Good, good. Do, do, do you want a mini one? Let's see. Do, let's, are there any good yeah, ones in here? You got? Yeah, we didn't, get, we didn't get my fix yeah, last week. Let's really piss off the people who are trying to watch the episode on YouTube. It's been three weeks for me that I haven't had a fix. <laughs> okay, you want me to? Okay, I'll give you another one. Okay, really okay. quick. People in old movies pay the cab. How come we never saw anybody ever pay a cab in an old movie? They always get out. They always have like a prostitute who's younger and then they take them out and they walk away. Pay the bill. Whoa. I need to see that transaction. This has to be real life. What is up, people? Pay your bill. Even with Ubers. Just see, let me show you on your phone pushing a button. You don't even have just do it. Blah, 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 blah. Fine. But pay your toll. I need to believe that I'm in the real circumstances. You can't do this. At least with cabs, they close the, their doors. But come on. I was going to say that lives in the same places, not close doors i think in i loved when, shots. i loved wednesday but god damn it she walked into her bedroom and left her fucking bedroom door open a lot in that show come on <laughs> fucking tim burton you know goddamn well those away, conversations really. are private close that door don't let anybody listen she's she has enough shit to deal with she's gonna leave the door open the scariest thing in that room is her oh that's funny <laughs> all right people let's yeah. get into our episode of the whale the movie where Darren Aronofsky really said, I don't care how big your screen is. We are putting this in a box square aspect ratio. I want half that screen to be completely blank. And oh, useless. my God. <laughs> I, I have a story about that in a second. Um, we're talking about The Whale. Now, this movie, you've probably seen at least just hearing that Brendan Fraser is going to be on the Oscar trail for this, which he is. Um, he received a six minute standing ovation at Venice and a five minute at London. The standing ovation things are getting a little out of control. I think everybody knows there, some people are keeping a, a stopwatch on them. Yeah. But. But if you see it, Brenda Fraser does seem genuinely touched. This is an actual, um, this is an actual comeback as opposed to, I heard today somebody was like, the Will Smith comeback. I was like, he filmed that movie before the slap and the slap was like a day ago. Like that's not a comeback when you already yeah. have the movie in the can. Brendan Fraser's comeback is 10 years of the making people because the affair doesn't count. All right. So like Brendan, this is a proper comeback. It is a role in which he's playing a 600 pound man. He did use a body suits. He worked with the, um, the shit i wrote this down the obesity action coalition to try to you know portray this role with honesty but this is a character that we don't get to see a lot very often and um he's taking on this character as somewhat of recluse this was written the screenplay by samuel d hunter who to film and tv fans was a staff writer on baskets but he is a playwright this was a play that premiered in new york city at playwrights horizons off broadway in 2012 uh it never transferred to broadway but it was um well received and um after 10 years why, did, why didn't you go to broadway movie. this is a fun romp for the whole family yeah. <laughs> um, Tons I'm, of commercial appeal. I'm uh, kidding. This will rip your guts out, everyone. This is, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, definitely works with the one set thing. Although we'll, we'll talk. We, I know this. We'll, we, we'll, we can, I mean, we can start talking about it. We're, we're into the intro. So, yeah. so I, one thing I did notice, like you mentioned the aspect ratio. Yeah. Um, and it is 1.33, which traditionally 1, 3, 3. is not like not used these days outside of the Blair Witch Project or, you know, something like that. But um, in this case, it really, really works for it. Yeah. Uh, one thing it didn't work for was Dolby, Cin Dolby Cinema. Yeah, that's right. I saw it too. Because Dolby Cinema has that whole ad about this used to be black, yeah. now this is black. And then the movie comes up and you get 
the part where the projector is not hitting the screen, then you get the 16 by nine square and then you get the four by three square and the 69 by nine square is light gray. They haven't graded yeah. that to black. So we had two different so shades like, of black. Yeah, there's like, it, there's like three borders on the outside of this yeah. thing. It, that, I was, I was like, that's, that's a little shoddy. They should have calibrated that or, it's ex- you know, put the blockers in or something. I don't even yeah. know if the Dolby cinema stuff has 1.33 blockers. I, I thought that too. To I was like, they should have, they should have closed the curtains. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, oh, definitely not closed See, the curtains, because... but you can, you can tell the projector to block. Oh, that I see. Section. see the, the, I, I was going to mention that the, I actually lost some on, it's called masking the the things that yeah. they move on either side. Sometimes it's curtains. Sometimes it's like hard pieces of like things that they fly in. The vertical masking in mine was too tight. So I oh, missed no. some stuff in the top what? and bottom, but it was wide Weird. enough on the sides. I mean, so whenever on, they would do these this, wonderful close-ups into the, the zoom squares, unfortunately, I think, which is weird seeing it in a large format theater, I think the whole thing needed to be shrunk a little bit for it to work in, in our screen. Um, with the masking see, that they I've, have, I've seen set, that go but, wrong at a film festival. You don't expect that in a like a yeah. Dolby Cinema screening. Like, I yeah. The, yeah. I was seeing a wonderfully animated like Japanese fairy tale. Uh, it was all stop frame animation, and they they hadn't calibrated the projector properly, so all the subtitles were off the bottom of the screen. And they got five oh. minutes into the screening before someone went out and went, "What the they fuck like, are you doing?" They literally yeah. stopped the film and started it again. Um, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, that was that was a shoddy film festival. I expect a better out of New York film festivals, but yeah. I often do. Um, you know what's it was was funny about the the nah. Dolby Cinema. You know how at the end of the Dolby Cinema intro, it goes, "Yes, the projector is still on," and it, it doesn't make any sense. Somebody in my theater, that, like, I love that joke. That's hilarious. Somebody in my theater just out of just shouted. There were hundreds of people because it was like the Friday night in New York City, so it was packed. And somebody just shouts, "But is the projector still on?" And then it says, "Yes, the projector said." He's like, oh, "Thank you." It was that, really funny. Oh, that is really so funny. fucking comic genius. That is Whoever bold. that was, That's thank you. So funny. That is gold. So bold. We're there. We're there to see the time. We're there to see the sick of it. I mean, we're there to see That's the whale. Good. You know what I mean? So it's like that. So they, some, they, that they was some that. humor. That yeah. was some humor to ease us <laughs> in. There a little, are a little levity before. There <laughs> are hu- there are humorous moments in this, but those moments of humor are, um, um, shall we say, uh, tension um, reducers. You know, right. they come from these sparse moments. So let's get into the movie. Yeah, We're talking technical about the details whale. aside, how did it make you feel? Yeah, let's talk. Let me let me read the IMDb description. A reclusive English teacher attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter i'll add on he's trying to right some wrongs as he thinks his life may be nearing its end what you guys think what you guys feel initial takeaways initial reactions john you saw this tonight right yeah i just saw it yeah yeah all right so you're you're still bleeding go for it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. it was um i knew this play um oh and i taught some scenes from this and in, in acting classes and stuff. So I'm familiar with the material. So of course I was really just excited and curious to watch a, one of my favorite filmmakers adapt it. Um, and I was not disappointed. Um, the, the emotional impact, there's something that I think happens when you read or watch this material, if it's performed really well, which it is, all the performances are really strong. And that, that's the most important thing. It's more important than the filmmaking when you have material that is character and writing driven which i think this is the filmmaking is wonderful and it's there and we'll talk about it so it's, it's just mm. a wonderful yeah. foundation i um, agree with that 100 percent 
Yeah. And yeah. there's some standout things that I do want to talk about because they are technically responsible or they are things that did heighten the storytelling. But he has a great cast and it's a, it's a, real, it's a really wonderfully written, tiny, very understandable, accessible thing. And it's, uh, it, it's there from the whole time. I think there is something unique about this play and about this script that exists in the movie as well, where you're talking about something that isn't taboo, but is, um, but is maybe, uh, maybe something that people don't like to admit that they think about and talk about, which is mental illness at the front of it, which is more and more accessible. And we can talk is, about it yeah, nowadays, there is but definitely that aspect, tons of mental illness that is like right front and center. And the lens that it comes through is, is, uh, extreme obesity uh, you know it's not it's not regular obesity which i think we can say that being in america yeah, because not, yeah. so much of this country does struggle with a ranges of obesity you know we're getting into the gilbert grape place with this where there's a really extreme case and this play does such a wonderful job of allowing you to get over that hurdle very quickly because it humanizes the character immediately absolutely uh, yeah i think a lot of people that reference gilbert grape just as you know I, I that movie touched me really powerfully when i was young i mean it just and um th there's something that is the opposite in that movie so i, I kind of just wanted to push that aside immediately she's not supposed to be relatable to us gilbert's mother for a lot of part of the long time in mm -hmm. that movie it's like this mysterious element they kind of this play kind of cuts through that really quickly and it takes on this lovely longing and kind of tragic tone that is just grounded in in humanity so you're it's easy to watch is what i'm saying you don't need to worry about feeling uncomfortable or like you're going to cry the whole time what darren aronofsky does though that i think was so brilliant which I, I just the note that's you know where my gripe came from he heightens the ending of this movie with with cinema with just pure cinematic elements True. of editing artifice representation that lend itself to this medium and it just the rocket just took off for me at the end and i could yeah. not stop crying i was yeah. like walking out of the theater and i was still crying and it was a beautiful Powerful. ending, even though it is like the punctuation to the tragedy. Well, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, it's very sad. Um, but, man, it left me feeling like it's in the trailer. But those then the most I think it's the most powerful double negative in my mind right now. Uh, people are incapable of not caring. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like that's just, a, you know, just the, yeah. it really does reach there. Well, the how many, how many there times too, have you done that? It's like, fuck that. I'm done with that. But. No, you're not. You're not done with that. You you care about the outcome of like humanity and stuff like that. It's like yeah. people are stupid. There's so okay, many. They are, but they're also great. There are so yeah. many, and I'll shut up after I say this. There are so many um, wonderful movies this year in general that deal with trauma and mental health, and I think all drama deals with it to a certain extent, but kind of head on this year. And uh, we're going to talk about another week, a film that we saw this week uh, that also dealt with this. And I just, I just had a very like I felt very human this week and this movie <laughs> right. was such a wonderful way of letting you feel exactly what the message of this play intended. I think Darren Aronofsky fucking nailed it. Dave, you guys, I was, I was a little apprehensive going in this cause I saw some of the, like some of the trailer and stuff and uh, I straight up, I'm going to say I have not made a single note about this, but usually I have like a, yeah. a notes panel up beside me and I have not made a single note because I have not forgotten a single thing about this fucking film. Oh, nice, Like dude. his performance is phenomenal. 
it, yeah. and you're right you absolutely he absolutely humanizes him in a way i won't mention till spoilers but like the technique they use to bring you into his world straight up is just amazing and could not have been done any better i, I agree with you with the ending oh my god they could not have done that mm. any other way and the, the way they did it was just perfect like this is yeah this is a like it's uplifting but also tragic at the same time so like i'm, I'm yeah. kind of glad you know i walked out of the theater straight into the rain in the outside and that was rain running down my face honestly i walked around the corner like i was leaving the dolby cinema and luckily there weren't a lot of people there because it hit me again and i just started like crying in the hall like i had to like stop yeah. and like Get against the wall because I, I was mean, afraid I was going to like, I feel like the, people the, were going to see me like breaking down. No, the AMC guys walked past. Oh, I just saw the whale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> yeah. it, it, but it was though. And it was so good. And the, the good thing about it is, and we'll, I'll go into this a little bit more later, but it isn't just him that causes yes. that reaction at the end. No, yeah. Absolutely. And like, I, I am a huge fan of like Sadie Sink's work yeah. as well because like she joined the, um, the cast of Stranger Things, and for a whole season, it was like Eleven Who, and yeah. she just she she's, took that thing and force, ran it, and sure. and then to see like I saw this, and I was and she's playing an absolutely hateable character, like yeah. she she's not likable at all, especially when compared to him, which they've set you up to like in like empathize with him, and like yeah, it was. It, I, yeah, I can't say much more without spoiling shit. So I'm going to hold off that again till a bit later. Um, one thing I really loved was the cinematography in yeah, such I'm a confined space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I don't know whether you noticed, but there, there, and there were a couple of exceptions to this, but very few. In the 1.33 aspect, he was a filling a quarter of the frame at least mm -hmm. in every yeah. shot that, he was either he either filled yeah, the full he either filled the full frame or he was at least taking up a quarter of the frame so no matter what they made him an imposing like he was either dirtying up the front of the frame or he was the center of attention and it really really worked that is such an excellent choice from the cinematography yeah so yeah Shot i, by, I uh, yeah i i must Matthew, say like uh, yeah I was very pleasantly surprised by this. I, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> look, at, look at what he did. Look what the happened. The gush look alarm, Dave. Himself. Gushing right off the bat. Jeez, um, Jeff, what do you think, man? Yeah, I second, I second everything. I, it took me a minute to get into, as, as movies tend, you know, they can do, right? It takes a second to kind of sink into the tone. And um, they, they open with a, a unique take on voiceover because you see other people that are communicating with our lead and they very effectively don't show him, which they come back to later in the film. And then when you do finally get near him, it's still not seeing his face. And it's probably the more graphic um, situation that he's in in the film, kind of right off the bat. That opening scene is very shocking. You know, I was wondering if that was going to be what it was going to be the whole time. You know what I, I mean? I found that incredibly humanizing. Of course, of course, of yeah. course, of course. Um, but it's like, you, you know, know they, Darren they, couldn't help himself. Every, <laughs> but, you know, everyone now is like, what the fuck? I have to go and see it for this opening scene. Yeah. No, seriously. It opens <laughs> do, and then do go and see it. 
And then with play, I should also say that Ty Simpkins is, is a very important character in this role. Ty Simpkins mm. is a child star who is the kid from Insidious on the poster. He's oh my also God. The, oh shit. He's also the, young, he's also the younger brother from um, Jurassic World. Remember those two boys that um, the writers really fucked oh, over yeah. the whole movie with that stupid ass storyline with the two brothers, but he was the younger <clears> brother. <throat> <and> he... <laughs> Positive film podcast. <laughs> Um, Jurassic World was fine, but that storyline was definitely like, hey, come on, the writers are trying to pump heart into this movie. Sorry, we're talking about the whale. Um, he was also in um, Iron Man 3 and Endgame as Harley Keener. So anyway, he plays um, a, a sort of a born-again Christian type character. But when it comes to plays, because you're you're in a secluded space, which, by the way, we had this one season two years ago where you had Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, you had One Night in Miami, and mm. you had the father all in the same year i think um and they're all plays and it was like that one it was kind of like hard to not see certain sections as the set from the play i i really stopped thinking that way i really i i don't know if it was just the nature of the character if it was the way that aronofsky was moving the camera i don't know if it was the 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 blocking of the scenes just the way the characters were moving the action where they could get it but i i really um, it, it was only the characters that made me think about that because in plays with small characters, all of the characters tend to be different. They all have different personalities. They have different tropes. They tend to bring some kind of energy that really can pull what, if anything that gets stagnant, they can become this sort of, um, uh, magnetic force that can pull things in different directions, you know, so that way you never get stuck in one kind of familiar, easy tone. And I think that actually this Ty Simpkins character of, of Thomas in the film is, is, is brilliant, you know, because it, it, it brings in this idea of the eternal and bullshit and manipulation and hypocrisy and all of these things that Brendan, Brendan Fraser's character is dealing with, but rather than therapizing the main character, which I don't believe is a word, but it happens a lot in theater and <laughs> it happens, it happens a lot in these things yeah. where, char where characters are, are talking about themselves and diagnosing themselves for, for 2023 is to get that in the oxford dictionary therapizing therapizing but you know what i mean when these characters yeah. how many characters give themselves therapy in movies right yeah, so right. i'm glad yeah. that no that, i get that that this character who's going through some shit it's 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 the funniest it's it's the, it's brilliant the way that that he can play against it so hard because he has this one character that is like yeah. he's so full and, you know it's so well, full of shit and it's like brendan fraser just can't like he can't just tell the kid but the also, truth like, because it's Brent, like Brendan Fraser. Like he, they made him such a character that not even at his darkest moment, you're rooting for him. I mean, every time he said "I'm sorry," it just crushed yeah. me. Um, I and the conundrum and John, yeah, that, that line is is so great. Don't you feel like people are incapable of not caring? The next line he says is, "People are amazing," and you have this guy mm. who. In this particular character, obviously not every situation is um, self-harm, overeating, gluttony equals obesity, obviously. They, they do insinuate in this particular case that if he wasn't depressed, that he might not be obese. And that's that's a conversation for a different time, a different panel of experts and podcasts. But in this case, that is something that he's clearly grasping with, you know, his oh, yeah. own self-harm. And at the same time, he's this perennial optimist who just like the idea of his daughter being a loose cannon is so exciting. No matter what she says, no matter what she does, it's like, wow, that's fascinating. And it's like, in a way, say it, it, it provides Sadie Sink with this on-ramp to eternity. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. Yes. And, and the, proceeds to do so. <laughs> and the only thing she can't do is is nothing. 
if she does yeah. nothing, then that's bad. But as long as she's doing something, even if it is terrible, if it's conniving, if it's um, just straight up mean and, and vindictive and terrible. She's so restless as well, which is great. Which is like great. It's, it's like here him. and then explode over to here. And like you can tell like she's going through her own shit. Yeah. Like yeah, everyone, in, very, everyone in this movie is going through kinetic. their shit. And he knows it too, which is why it's like he's not jealous of her. Like he doesn't wish he could be moving around so much. He just wants to be around it. You know, he, he's mm. he's he's ready to um to let her be that, and then he can be at peace with it. it's it's yeah. So I think very be, before we before we move into like spoilers, which is coming up sure, soon, I'm sure. Um, there is one cast member we haven't mentioned uh, oh, that yeah. turned up in the menu yeah, very recently. Yeah, we were a so huge fan. Good in this, so good in this movie. Hung Chow. Are you going to Hung Chow? Yeah. Are you going to talk about yeah. it? Yeah, please, yes. <laughs> yeah. She, no, no. She, yeah, she was good. The character of the menu, guys, go see the menu. It's so fun. It's it's a thriller. It's 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 so great. And her character in the, the, the menu got some of the biggest laughs and just is just a fucking firecracker. She's so goddamn good. This and the, is the complete opposite. Yeah, the brilliant thing about this character, like I knew like that she was in this and I was looking for any of the mannerisms she had displayed in the menu and there were none. None. I didn't recognize like her it, for that, more that than was, half the It movie. was two completely distinct people she was playing. And I was like, yeah, you, you've got it. Fucking you've really got it. Devastating. Oh my God. She just. Yeah. And there, yeah. I think this movie too does something um, really poignant thematically and it's in the writing more than it's in the filmmaking, but that this man eventually reveals that there are a few snapshots in his life. Shout out to Mary, Mary Boyer, Boyer, MTV studio, right. uh, great acting teacher. There's a few snapshots in one um, you kind of start learning about and it, it evolves over time because you see a picture of him with his ex partner who um, it's established early on is no longer in the picture for, you know, very sad and tragic reasons as well. And as you learn more about his past and his family, Ooh, can't and see, on spoilers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's another. Uh, there's another snapshot of something really positive, and I thought it was really great that it kind of builds, you know, the whole thing and goes to those lines that we discussed and capable of not caring and people are incredible and that there's even in our worst times. Uh, it kind of doesn't matter if you're in your best or your worst times. You, this this play, this 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 work, this film really shows you that the capacity we have to be able to hold on and justify and rationalize and see ourselves through our best and worst hmm. just mm-hmm. really rung true to me. And it was something that I feel like that was what I walked out of the theater thinking about was that even in our worst, we can we can still entertain our yeah. best. And sometimes it's easier to to use some, you know, I think a lot of people tend to use their worst, the worst of themselves to, to hurt themselves. We're we're all very, very very capable of that in some cases. Yeah. Or even to define themselves. But there is something that, um, if people are incredible, where does that come from? And I feel like this does show you that, um, there's a way to display that kind of capacity within ourselves and within others. And somehow in this, in this story that seems to be about, basically five human beings that are in a lot of pain. There is this optimism that comes through. Like it's maybe, maybe it's not optimism. Maybe that's not the best word. Cause Jeff, you said that and he is optimistic and they literally have a few speeches yeah. where they talk about that, but there wasn't a, I don't like, even know if it's the word hope, but there was something that kind of lived in that same space at the end of this, where you don't walk out thinking you just saw a tragedy. 
I, I would, so I would describe it. I would describe it. it as like gut wrenchingly uplifting. Because it, it yeah. pulls it pulls at the things that should hurt, but it turns them into such a positive that you you walk yeah. out of there with a lift and like. There's definitely a a, a catharsis. To yeah. It. A, 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 yeah. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Because there's we learn we we all learn from what we see. Yeah. And they this all learn very, from what happens. Very to them. affecting film. Well, and, and hopefully yeah. on the other side of catharsis is peace. You know, that's what you want after have after going through that sort of struggle to go through those cathartic periods and the way they set it up with the cha- the chapter is essentially just the days it's not their real chapters I'm, well but I must the days. Admit, you know I, you know you know that they're saying saturday because um <laughs> that's good that's there's not going to be another saturday so uh, um let's, let's go to i must admit when i went when i walked out of this <laughs> i walked out of this and i walked over to central park and i walked through central park at half the speed i normally walk through because normally i'm just like you know whatever yeah. it's gonna get home and uh i took my time and yeah. I took a walk yeah. and I appreciated everything that was happening around me in Central Park. So that's the effect that had on me, this movie. Yeah. All right, let's go into spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, I can't, I can't even remember what I did after this. I, I watched something before going to bed. I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah. remember. I, this, 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 this is looming. in the subway crying. <laughs> I, I really, I can't remember. I, I swear yeah. I watched something. I just don't know what it was. Jesus. Um, that's, I mean, that's a good review for the movie in itself. Let's let's segue into spoilers by talking more about Brendan Fraser. I mean, he's going to be we're going to be people are going to be talking about him for the next three months. Um, yeah, he's going to win this. He's going to win for sure. Oh God, I hope he does. He deserves uh, it. I think so too. I don't too. think anybody stands a chance right now. But like, what his eyes? Right? It's so it's so mm. simple. You know, we, we we when we talk about acting, we're usually more nuanced than like his eyes. But you see this character, you see this person, and and as as Brendan Fraser has said a lot in talking about this film. Um, really the, the point of this movie is not for an actor to flex their muscles and, and take on these, um, these roles that are challenging. Of course, it's to shine a light on a, a story in a situation that just doesn't get told or heard of very often. And you zoom in on his face and you just see his eyes and it's like, how, how can you, how can you not just be melted in, in front of yeah. him in there during this film? Like, I really felt like there were a lot of times where he was really struggling. And, and when, you know, when, when this character struggles, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a real struggle for, I must, I must admit, things. I really related to the drawer full of chalky bars. I've, I've been guilty of that myself. Yeah. It's like, I'm feeling yeah. down, give me a chalky bar out of the drawer. Like I, it wasn't think, a drawer. I had a box, but I think they did a good yeah. job. And, and that's a, that's another bit of nuance. That's tricky, but, there are a lot of things about this that are relatable that I think we can say without Absolutely. feeling without feeling without guilt or shame, knowing that we are not anywhere near this situation. So to sit yeah, there no. and be like, I am like that too. You know, there's anybody that would respond and say, you don't know what it's like. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. And you're right. You're right. But like, yeah, but what I'm, what I'm saying is we're all the same. You know, there, there's these little teeny, ultimately this is a teeny tiny difference. Cause when you look in his eyes, you see a human being that you just want to, you want you want I mean, your room for you want them to be I'm okay. Sure, at, at all at all points, that like all of us have been self-destructive at some point. I mean, I know God, I have been, yeah. and it's again, it's it's one of those things you relate to in the character because it, it it throws up a mirror a little bit to yourself. It's like this is his self-destructive thing. What's yours? And I do really, that, I, I think do that really makes pre- the character very effective. I mean, without a doubt, man. I appreciated so much the, and again, I was, it, it's in the, it's in the writing of the play as well, but you know, they, Brendan Fraser owned it and they, the tonally, they captured it with this film that 
it's such a really, I think it's such a strong and intelligent choice to start the character in acceptance of his destruction. It's not him in denial. It's not a movie of only food binges. There are some binges, but it's not just that. So there's our empathy is extended immediately because he's so comfortable. Maybe not comfortable, but he's so accepting of his reality that this movie opens with him being seen by someone. And I do want to talk about that theme eventually cinematographically about being seen and what they did with lighting. I think it's really fascinating. Mm. But this movie opens with this guy, this young man who is like a missionary door to door. And he's the first one who walks in on him in this very compromising, embarrassing scenario. And yet Brendan Fraser's character as Charlie isn't only freaked out. He's more concerned about, can you actually just help me uh, stay alive right now? And yeah. yes, this is what I look like. And this is what my life is. I mean, we're in spoilers. Is- we can say it. He was having a wank and he almost caused himself to have a heart attack. Yeah. But there was, um, but I love that it didn't turn it, into him being yeah, like, no, get it, out! It wasn't, out, a, it wasn't, like, yeah, you know? it wasn't an embarrassing moment. It was like, I yeah. need help to yeah. survive right now. Read me this thing. And so I think, yeah, yeah. Like, but that because was, of that, that, that was literally the thing that humanized him the most. That's I mean, what I'm saying. Because of that, that acceptance in the, the acceptance that he had for himself allowed us as audience members, it, like every, per, every person that walks in and sees him, we're immediately thinking as their surrogate or th- they're our surrogate for us. Like, Oh, who's going to judge him? Who's going to judge him? Who's going to judge him? And almost no one judged him beyond what might be rational or reasonable for their yeah. character. And the fact that a stranger is the first one to meet him, we can immediately extend our empathy and start feeling like we are him. And now, as opposed to always being in the opposite, where you're going to kind of feel like he's the abnormality and these other people that come into his world are going to be our surrogates. I felt very quickly because of this acceptance he had this established in the writing and established in his performance. I felt like I was always him and I was anticipating. I was more anxious about what they yeah. were going to feel about me and what yeah. they were going to feel about him. And I just feel like that was such a wonderful way to turn it on mm. its head. So that again, just so we can so quickly and efficiently get past the taboo of yeah. an extreme example of self-destruction. I thought that was a masterstroke at the beginning and, to bring and, you in yeah. on that level. Well, and the, yeah. you, you know, especially anybody who's ever been to a play, when it comes to very religious characters, they are questioned. It's just it's just a fact. Uh, it's just like an unwritten rule on stage. Like it is going to be questioned. You know, if you have any extreme ideology, you know, extreme in this case is not necessarily a good or bad thing, but it's obviously he thinks that that Christ is coming back now, not 2012 when the Mayan calendar ends. Like like now today, Christ is going to come back and flood out the world and kill everybody, etc. And instead of challenging the character getting challenged in his ideology, it's challenged. Like you think you're a good Christian. You got to read this guy, this thing. Cause he thinks he's dying. It's like, that is a challenge that tests this guy. And you know what? That character lived up to the test. So in mm-hmm. a weird way, even though you should think what Hong Chao thinks, which is get the fuck away. You don't know what you're doing. Like this isn't the time. He's like, he should be safe in a weird way. He like earned his pitch. You know what I mean? So it's like there's real nuance in these teeny tiny little character relationships that were, were just right. Any more would have been too much. Any less wouldn't have been enough. It was really right on the sweet spot. Yeah. And I think there's something so. This is more thematic. So like uh, like there's this isn't necessarily relative to the film exclusively, but Hong Chao's character Tell me if you guys agree with this, is the only person in this film that doesn't resort 
to extremes for how they deal with their trauma. Yeah. You have Charlie, who has yeah. resorted to obesity and eating. You have um, Ty Simpkins, who has resorted to extreme religious ideology and so far as to create like a false identity for himself, basically, yeah, and present that, was, that, that, that fraudulent kind of, identity. Um, Sadie is, is, I mean, she, she does seem like a fucking terror. Like, you know, we'll talk about that. And I, I really appreciate the empathy that is forced upon you through Charlie's perspective of her. But just the way she carries herself, like, I fucking knew that girl growing up, right? And she was a loose cannon. Mm. Like, somebody did something terrible to her. Her home life was not normal. And she did not deal with it well. And she is now hurting everybody that comes into her path. It just seems like, the, including herself and the mom, who I thought was wonderful. Samantha Morton, yeah. one scene, stole, stole it for me. I thought it was fucking one brilliant. One scene, yeah. Um, alcohol. It. It's implied, and then we get to see it. Um, they talk about it, and she's turned to alcohol. She drinks all the time. When is she happy? Only when she's drinking. So we, we have all these wonderful examples of people who very irresponsibly and I'm not saying I have a judgment. It's just we've all been in these situations. And sometimes people very irresponsibly allow their trauma to take them to the edge of their their choice of extreme. And I love that Hong Chao is kind of our voice of like grounded depression. She's like the one who's like, of course, this is fucked up. This is fucking sort terrible. Of. But I'm, uh, yeah, do you, do you disagree I, I would, with that? I would, yeah, I'd push back on that a little bit because she's gone to like extreme savior syndrome. She's there keeping him alive like mm. 10 hours or 15 hours she, a day or whatever. And she goes, she goes to a job. She goes to him. She thinks he's dead, and, he's dead if she doesn't. So in a yeah, weird way, and it's not. So she's, she's kind of like, that's her extreme reaction to the trauma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that would, that would round it out even more if we could say that like in some right. way, but also she gets, she's the only one that kind of ends up with nothing. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of one reason I was looking at that I mean, way she gets too. That peace in a weird way, but I don't think she wants peace because she essentially lost her whole family. Yeah, I don't. I don't know this. The, like the, I feel like the ending of this might be a bit freeing for her because she she when she lost her brother, she tied herself to him. Yeah, so peace. But um, like, man. So she gets she gets that release because she doesn't have to come and take care of him anymore. Yeah, and that money thing's so tricky. If you were just to write the one sentence blurb and be like man decides to die to give his family the daughter the money because he doesn't want to um he doesn't saving him would cost because the of future. guilt yeah ex yeah it's etc a lot of all the yeah. reasons um he hasn't the, the, that situation with hong chow getting upset in front of the mom that could have been so cheesy and man it was handled like she could have really she, she could have yeah. internalized it and saved it for a private conversation but like the way that she just had to explode but she didn't just turn it into like a chance to act it was just it was really and then the emotion that she has was so i don't want to say easy like i mean free as the actor like she just she had tears running down her face cuz she just felt fucking beat she felt defeated and was just like it was oh it was and you know I, and I, it wasn't lost on me that Darren Aronofsky made this during the second year of the pandemic. Yeah, got to leave. And that yeah. the the nursing archetype, the ah. the person who is often it's not that he took advantage of her, but he really relied on her. And I got the feeling throughout, and this was a directorial choice. It's in the writing as well, but I, I feel like they made me feel like I was never the writing makes you realize why she hangs on so why is she still there? The writing justifies that. And it takes a lovely arc for really explaining to you why she's still coming here every day but 
I feel like directorially, he made me feel kind of the way I think a lot of people feel with nursing care in general. It's like they're just, it's like there's a constant, there's a constant projection from those characters of, yes, because I have to, even though I know that ultimately I'm going to lose this, yeah. this battle. Like that is the idea of nursing when you're in so many ways, right? It's, you're not I feel putting like a bandaid on it and walk out. A lot out. of these characters, you're, you're doing it in vain. Almost. A lot of them were externalizing their self worth. Like she, she took her self worth in that he needed her to live. He took his self worth in that he, he like he didn't send himself to the hospital, despite the fact that he had the money because that money was for her, and he needed to pass mm-hmm. it on to her. He needed to redeem himself. So, like, I feel like a lot of these characters were really externalizing their self worth as well. So there was a lot of demons going on in this movie. Tons, dude. Let's yeah. talk about the the cinematography because uh, it was the first thing I thought about with the opening shot. It was just like, oh. I mean, we we all saw it in Dolby, so you know mm. we have we know the projector's great. We know we're watching in a in a really wonderful exhibition. Also, the my audio mix was, was fantastic. It, yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. This is his first score. I think this is his first score ever without Clint Mansell. I'm just talking about the use um, of sound, like the rain. And just the use of sound. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. From a distance, yeah. I I was thinking, why is this going to Dolby? You know, of course, Darren, yeah. I was like, of course, he's going to do something really unique with it. But this doesn't on the outside. It seems like you don't need to see this in Dolby. So so we'll talk about that as well. But cinematography. It's a Matthew Libatique. Um, yeah. I who think he's done, done all of all of Aronofsky's. All of his stuff. They met the at first, AFI. This was the first digital one. Nice. He's done first a, digital yeah, one. Good, I good, mean, good. A, million, a million things. Just yeah, so, he, so they met on a, 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 it was a Sony uh, Iron Man. He's Sony he's Venice, done Nike. He's, he's done gone all over Swift. the place. Mm. Yeah, Sony. He's Venice. worked on commercial and he's worked on all Darren's. They went. They met at Birds AFI of, together. Birds of Prey. Yeah, the prom. Birds of Prey. Yeah. Um, Don't worry, darling. What a year. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean that guy. He fucking works all the time, and yeah. he's wonderful. Um, but I thought it was. I thought it was really cool that I wasn't surprised to see the green overtones to really try to see the sallow you know, pallid color tones in his skin. Mm. And whenever anybody would enter his world, how we could get this sickly feeling from everyone. He also I was, cast I very sure pale his, actors. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was makeup or color they used there. I, probably both, right? It's just yeah. a wonderful use of both. But yeah, what you, did fascinate one and then me, accentuate so, it in the other. So yeah. yeah. The color palette was less surprising to me than the way that they chose to use low-level lighting and low-level contrast. Mm. The fact that there was, and, and it played into, we, we just talked about, yeah, maybe he doesn't uh, wear shame on his sleeve and there's all that humanity. I'm not negating anything we just said, but the fact that they put him in an environment where you can't see anything was mm. so brilliant to me that there was this, like, everything was just like, very low lit and the little levels of contrast that allow us to get some more dynamic lighting were so, uh, they were so subtle mm. that it did feel when moments of natural light did spill through his doorway into his world, it was jarring to me. People would come from this otherworldly, blown out natural existence, whether it was snow, whether it was rain, or whether it was bright sunshine in the last few scenes. 
it just well, created this say, dynamic. Yeah, just, let's just mention the rain for a second because it rained every day in this movie except yeah. the day he was leaving us. It was um, precipitating every day. Yeah. There was there was precipitation of some kind every single day. You're right, dude. Yes. Except for that last except, except soon for as, that, oh, as soon as as soon as they like they brought that that frame up and I saw the sun outside the window, I'm like, this is the last day. Like you knew. Yeah. But Dave, did it, did you did you feel what I was talking about with the the way they lit it? Like it was so. I felt, it was so I felt like it was lit, it was very naturally lit. Like they relied on. Yeah. Like they. I, but natural I for the way like his character it. would light his place. Yeah. Like that that fact that he's like, I don't want too many bright lights and too many yeah. mirrors and too many too much contrast. I don't want people contrast. to see me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want people yeah, to see exactly. me. Exactly. Was he, Which like, seems like with the of camera course as well. that's such a yeah. That's such um, an obvious choice. I could see, I could see you. You know, you're sitting there with your cinematographer, and you're like, "This is, is this a trap, or is this too obvious?" Billy Wilder said, "Make your subtleties obvious." You know what? This is one of those things where I think the way you do it can have such taste, and it felt so naturally tasteful that it still felt cinematic without feeling like, yeah, it was overlit in any dramatic sense. Of, also, you know, I, of, I of loved, I loved the camera movement when they used it because they like. They relied on a lot of there was a lot of still shots like and moving shots and stuff like that. But when they did the pan shots where he was yes. the central focus moving from one side of the frame to the other, like Sadie Sink is storming around in the background. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's a caged tiger right now, but it's just panning around him in the foreground. Are you talking about the one specifically from behind him where he yeah. kept Yes. Yeah, where he was trying to yeah. move. Oh, yeah, I feel that like was, that was a good example. That was a really good example of how they, they trapped they showed us his immobility yeah. very well through trapping him in his frames like that. And I also love that the beauty of having these one set kind of films, they just sat on back on a wide shot a lot of the times too, and just let the actors work and yeah. Yeah. Th- let the other actors use him the way they wanted to, because they knew that that was his weakness. Mm. So the way Samantha Morton is his wife, even Hong Chao and absolutely Sadie, the way they would move around him. And then on the reverse, the way Ty Simpkins would move with him and yep. toward him. It created this incredible contrast of blocking in most scenes, or at least most scenes, depending on the character that was in there. You kind of mm. started to clock. I noticed myself starting to think differently about what I would expect when a certain character was in the room with him in terms of how it would feel, how it would be shot, how it would move. And, you know, in the best ways, it subverted itself at some points. Um, but in a lot of ways, it kind of started. It was I mean, you, it just you have kind to of, in a one room thing, like you you have know, to. one room production. But it built you, on, every now and then you have to surprise the audience, and make them go, oh, and <laughs> you bring do, them out you do it. it so, and they yeah. got there. But it built on that, that it it just it was another like layer on top of that. Um, I, I just felt more and more like him in every scene. Because I started to be able to share his expectations. Hmm. And if things like somebody walking behind me were happening, you know, the filmmaker in me was like, yeah, I might be enjoying it. But I really was just thinking, like, how how uncomfortable it yeah, was for it was, him to be put in well, a scenario yeah, where you started to get frustrating yourself with. as well. Like, yeah. you started to get a little frustrated with what he, how he could move and what you could see. And yeah. 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 And I mean, they made it difficult when his struggle doing it would it was they, they they built into it because if it was just him struggling with things it, it you know it it wouldn't have had the impact that i think we're all talking about so i think they built into that really well especially with yeah, he, the, he ordered pizza every night too like all those things oh my god the pizza the pizza, delivery the pizza guy. what do you think he, he's a yeah. curious 
it's he's a curious case. What, what do you think? What do you think the function of the pizza guy was? Was it just the only clue yeah. to the outside world? Like, what do you think? I I feel like it was, it was the like a little bit of the humanity is beautiful sort of thing. But yeah, the reaction when he saw him, I'm I, I don't know what that was. I'm still yeah, confused curious, about that. Right? Did he, I, I think I, it's I, supposed to be the the that comfort that we've been talking about most of this episode, that empathy thing that everybody yeah. who knows him feels when they see him, even Sadie, when she's saying, I fucking hate you. You're disgusting. We still feel like because she loves him so much, she's mad at him. Um, I think he is supposed to be the harsh reminder that even though people are capable of saying through the closed door, hi, this is my name and I hope you're okay. Sometimes when you see, and you're confronted with extremes, People I mean, fucking run. I was gonna say like, was it, it's very it's was, scary and it's easier to walk yeah, away. Fair enough. Was that was that the reminder though that like was that the, our reminder that he's not okay, like he's in danger. Like, well, I think well, it's, I think it was his reminder. Yeah, that it would, the way he's right, like the way he every time something like that would happen to him, he would he would freak out. He didn't really freak wonder, out that way when he was by himself, did he? No. It was usually when something would cue it. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like also that was a way of piling on that drove him to the, like the eating fest that he had in yeah. the end, yeah, um, where he just lost all faith in himself and just devoured everything in the fucking house and ended yeah. up throwing up and stuff. Like that was that was ugly. It was so ugly, and yet you was you were sitting there and your heart was breaking. It was like, I it get brutal, it. Man. Don't do it to yourself. Fucking, like, don't. Yeah, it's gross. It's like watching the. It's the last fifteen minutes of Requiem, right? It's just like <laughs> when he when Jared pulls his elbow out. It's just one. It's extremes. Like it's it's the same thing as. I don't know if we talk about obesity that way in our society, but again, this is so touching to me mm. because it dealt with something that is just as abhorrent and difficult and sad and tragic as a really really terrible addiction to a drug that's going to yeah. kill you. It's. The fact that this thing, this story opens with him having a heart attack <laughs> and then them saying like, you working. are dying. Yeah. Like yeah. we know he's killing himself and we know he's been killing himself. It really changes it. It's not like, do we, or do we not judge him for the way that he's chosen to treat himself um, in an abstract sense? It's, I love how acute it is. And that, you know, there's so it's much good storytelling. Like yeah. Like every individual has a fixed has that, period of time or every individual sorry. has that little self-destructive trait as well. That thing like, you know what, if I can just make this, I'll just do this and it'll be over Yeah, as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a side of a lot of humans that a lot of people will be uncomfortable confronting. And I feel like this just brought it to the foreground in the first 10 minutes of the film. It was like, this is what you're in for. And again, masterstroke. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, I think this is starting to wind down a little bit. Is yeah. there are there any other notes that you guys had? Uh, we have another episode to record after this, and there's plenty more to be said about this film. But I think this is just going to be one of those movies that stays with you. And again, I, mean, I would good... say go and see it, and you can say all that in our socials. Yeah, we'll talk to you. Yeah, come at us, please like and subscribe and stuff. I, yeah. I wanted to ask you guys one last thing about Sadie Sink's character slash mm-hmm. performance. Um. Did you find yourself believing entirely what he was believing about her actions? And do you think we were supposed to? I was on or the fence. do you fence. think his optimism was challenging on purpose? I was on the fence until she broke and cried daddy. 
Like, and then it was I, like, oh, okay, this, yeah, this is exactly, he's, he's right. Like that, think, that got me the rest of the way. I think he knew very, he was not an idiot. I think he knew that there was certainly a chance that she could be in jail. She could turn to, you know, different forms of abuse for herself as well, or risky behavior and such. But at the same time, she was alive. And, and her essay kept him alive. As yeah, well. and of course that essay was a long time ago, and so yeah. she needs help now. But I think for him, he's like, well, she's she's capable. So maybe in his mind, it's like with a little bit of money and a reminder that he thinks she's amazing. Yeah. Then she'll be more likely to turn out it okay. Was, but it it was every, a, anybody can. There were anybody a lot can. of bad circumstances in this. Like, yeah, she didn't have a shot from the beginning. Like, this was going to end well, up messed up. Yeah. Why? What do you What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was definitely ambiguity, and I just wanted to know if you guys felt the same way about about that choice specifically, because I'm still not entirely sure if that was her conscious decision. Um, Dave, like you, when she said "Daddy, please," I mean, that was the first time I like really got emotional. Yeah, because it's always great seeing she, somebody she broke. like yeah. break. Yeah, um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't totally sure, um, and even Me after either. a while, I feel like her her performance was so intense and so uh, the objective was so clear to to hurt him and to use him that if it hadn't been for that turn i don't know i i think it was it was interesting to me that she that he is the the way he sees the world or the way he sees her in the world we know is already so positive so when he's the one that points out that of course she did that to help people there was a little bit of me that was there was kind of think the cynicism in me was that he needs to believe that right now because he needs to believe that he's done something exactly correct in the this same world. thing. I did yeah, exactly the good. same thing as you did. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it a little fucked up that he failed her essay? No. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought that whole thing was a little strange. I mean, in a good way, like it kind of got messy. And I liked how messy the last like 20 minutes. Of I mean, this, if, he wants to, if, he, if he wants to have one good thing, he probably shouldn't have that one thing fail out of high school. But uh, yeah, and, she's and, a senior. And, <laughs> and he fucking like drops dead in front of her at the. I, think, I mean, he's left her twice now. I mean, <laughs> he's I like, hey, so thank much. you so much, baby. And also, I, I'm sorry, but like. He was kind yeah. of walking towards her as he was about to die. I was like, no, that, okay. <laughs> no, that was a moment. Like that was, that was what needed to happen there for me. It like, did, but, he, it, was, but yeah. it was great. Cause I know. And I, I'm so glad they went with the, the lifting the feet off the ground. Like they were oh, for the, sure going up as the, opposed the, to, I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to fall like, on her. Cause yeah, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't tell. Honestly, he was walking no, towards too, her dude, as yeah. he's literally like, I'm dying. Keep reading. And he kept getting closer oh, and closer. My God, could you imagine the realistic ending to this? It'd be horrifying. Goon. I mean, just yeah. all over or back. It doesn't matter. Either way, she's going to have to see him leave her twice. That was not yeah. lost on me, that the trauma of what she was about to experience was you know, going to be just as bad. Like, hopefully she learned enough lessons to be able to deal with this again. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting that uh, we the kind of the last impression we have of him was that he is so he needed to believe so hard that she did the right thing that I wasn't sure if I believed that objectively. And I, it didn't really matter because yeah. I was just happy mm. that he got his his catharsis and yeah. fun. It, fun so fact. again, those extreme things that he he needed that kind yeah. of thing, which was I thought that was a reach for his character to actually try to rationalize mm. her behavior that way. Yeah, but me too. Anyway, 
Fun fact, uh, when they cut to the, the the girl on the beach, I was like, fuck, that's good casting. She looks just like her. It's her bloody sister. They cast her oh, sister. Good, good. <laughs> so, no shit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Nice. All right, touching, folks. touching stuff. Well, looks like it's time for us to wrap up this episode with a quick. The music round of- was great, by the way. It wasn't oh, cool. The, it was really the music, music was great. The sound was great. The yeah. sound. The composer is um, Rob Simonson. Rob, yeah, Simonson, yeah. Um, really, Rob really Simonson, yes, yeah, sir. Um, nice. Okay, cool. Let us uh, wrap this up with a quick round of what you've been watching, my friends. Dave, we'd like to start with you here in this segment. What have you been watching? I'm late to the party on this one. Uh, I've been going through Handmaid's Tale. Oh, really? Yeah. Where are you you in it? I'm still like, I think I'm about four or five episodes into season one. But it's got me. It's got me. Um, And uh, there's a Netflix animated show called Inside Job. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I saw it. Yeah. It's it's basically about the guys who run like, the shadow government, like all the conspiracy sure. theories that anyone could possibly come up with are fucking oh, no. true. And these guys run them and they're a train is wreck. A drama. No, it's hilarious. Okay. It's, okay. Yeah. Is this I'm inside sure. job? Inside job. Oh yeah. yeah. Lizzie Kaplan, Christian Slater. I know, the, right? Do the, the voice. Clark Duke. I mean, I'll, I'll watch anything Lizzie Kaplan does, but yeah, it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, huh. it's very, very funny. If you're, into conspiracy sure. theories and how ridiculous they are because they really take it and run with it. No shit. Yeah. All right, John. Uh, I watched, I rewatched a couple um, Nolan movies. I watched nice. uh, Interstellar again, which was what? <laughs> this is a casual, lovely. lighthearted, just you know, easy guy. Did you watch it? Imagine you watch that in the whale back to back. You just, you, you just, <laughs> you, need, you need to go on a walkabout after that. Yeah. <laughs> I like Interstellar. A, a Me too. Lot. We like watched it one. during a snowstorm one time. Um, yeah, so yeah, I remember yeah. that. You fucks. <laughs> Dave, what, we, I, I was lethal weapon was not going to happen again, so we went the opposite. <laughs> I watched that and I watched um, Inception, and I think that's my least favorite Christopher Nolan movie. You guys, I'm just going to say know, it. Mm. he is still he is a brilliant. Maybe not including Tenet because I've only seen that once, and Tenet. I know we didn't we didn't love that as a group. Tenet. Remember we said Tenet on you know every what? episode from this episodes like two to ten. That it sucks. It's probably the third or fourth time that I've watched Inception, and it might be the last time. I don't know if I need to see that movie again. And every time I watch it, I think I like it less and less. And I I like Christopher Nolan, and I know not everybody does. I appreciate what he tries to do with movies, and I think it's it's ironic to me that that's his most successful film. And I don't think it's his best work. It's, you know what's funny for me? Say something about it. The more I sure. think, yeah. the more sure. I think, the more I think about and watch The Prestige, the more I like it, and the more yeah. I think and talk about Inception, the le- the less I like it. They 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 are crossed. Yeah. Have you seen, I saw yeah. the Have Prestige? You I was like, yeah, it was that, fine. But you see the like news that came out today about Oppenheimer? No, but I saw the uh, pictures. Apparently, he's talking about um, they used practical effects as much as possible, including the nuclear blast. And I'm like, did Christopher Nolan blow up a fucking adult for this movie? Like. I hope they use. Wait, I know he pro- likes to kill stuntmen, but fuck, man, not a nuclear blast. Can you imagine? He just blew a hole in the ozone for his fucking Oppenheimer movie. <laughs> oh my god! I re- oh my god! I he hope- did it for us, you guys. Yeah, he did it for. I did it for. He look did how it for amazing us. it's gonna look on screen. Oh my god. Um. Okay. Can, can we get the second unit in? The first one's in from the radiation poisoning. <laughs> All right. John, are you done? Shadow blasts. They're just dust. All the all the crew. The crew just watched the crew just watches the blast. Buzzes us all for laughing at that. 
the crew just watches the blast and goes, oh no, we're fucked, aren't we? Okay, uh, so I teased at the beginning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use, okay, I saw two things that I actually think, come on, guys, I actually think relate to each other in a weird way. So, uh, finale White Lotus. I actually was behind this week and then I just plowed through because the first episode didn't grope, grope, grope me. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh, myself. Whoops. The first episode didn't grow up me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first episode, I I said like seven weeks ago, I guess at this point now, I was like, you know, the first episode didn't get me as big. By once episode two, I was like, okay, I'm in. And I actually think the season was better than the first season. I thought I think this is the best written show in TV. And this finale, oh. when I finish, oh, hands down, and I I think um, it's funny because my wife Severance, watched it. And she's like, I don't, I don't know if you're gonna like it, so I haven't watched it yet. Well, I she, haven't watched it at all. Because she she knows you. Is as she the, sabotaging me? Should I get rid of it? She knows you as the guy that likes Marvel. She doesn't know you as the guy that said you guys ruined Marvel for me because you showed us all these actual good movies. <laughs> no, I played um, it that clip. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so when I watched the finale, I was like, you know, I don't know if this is well executed. It seems a little clunky. It seems this, and I've been thinking about it for twenty four hours, and it gets better and better in my head as it goes. Like it is so it's it's so good it does something that no other tv show does which is there's so much nuance in the subtext and in the way these characters develop over time and the way it's okay with things that other shows just wouldn't be okay with like michael michael imperioli has these two episodes of just like so much shit and then rather than everybody just like you know digging shit he just doesn't anymore you know what i mean it's like he, they let him coast and it's like they let things be they let things be they, sure. they don't have to they don't have yeah. to override and overplay <laughs> they don't have to wrap everything up it's like it's really it's awesome i loved it with they that don't have to wrap anything up because it's a limited series it's gonna well, get no, three more seasons well they wrap a yeah. lot up they wrap a lot <laughs> up and for me i was like well maybe that them having to wrap those things up you know somebody has to die right because they open each season with yeah, that sorry and i was like maybe that's the worst part of the show is them trying to wrap that up but in hindsight i it I fucking loved the way they did it. It just it take it took me some time to realize how amazing it was and how much I loved it. With that, any White Lotus fans or not, go see the Triangle of Sadness, which is a renter right now. It's I think it's five dollars to rent. Mm. It blew my fucking mind. I saw it with my friend Carl. I did have an edible, and I, like we were shouting at certain parts, like, "Is this really fucking happening right now?" Because it is a proper satire, and it is like. Yep. So contact your dealer and contact your. You, you don't need the edible, but it was just you don't need the edible, but it was just like we were like, what the? It is so. Well. It won the Palm d'Or. It's the second time that he won the Palm oh. d'Or, and he, he didn't even win for for Force Majeure, which was you know 2014. He won for Square in 2017, and then this this year won the Palm d'Or. It's a Swedish film, but it's almost entirely spoken in English, and there's three chapters, there's three parts, and it is so fucking good this movie might be my favorite movie of the year it's a little recency bias so i'm not going to shout it out but like especially if you like the white lotus a lot of this takes place on a yacht so you know with some wealthy things but like <laughs> influencers models people who build weapons to make their money like all of these people end up on a boat together and it's just sad it's so great woody harrelson plays an alcoholic it's like come on it's fucking awesome triangle of sadness people that's great nominated for uh, best motion picture musical or comedy Yes, and I, for, I I think the supporting actress is nominated too. I think there's a supporting actress nominated too. Um, uh, all right, yeah, I think you're right. All right, people, thank you so much for listening yeah. to Dolly our episode. DeLeon. 
Yeah. She, oh, she was so fucking good. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much for listening to our episode on The Whale. We are about to record our Empire of Light episode, which is a new Sam Mendes film starring Olivia Coleman. Um, and check out our feed. We're watching a lot of good movies. Uh, we hope you reach out to us on all the socials. Dave will respond, I promise. John won't, so say shit about him. It's true. Yeah. See you guys say soon. anything you want about John. That's yeah, fine. See you, film fans. And Avatar next week, people. Avatar they, they keep fucking agreeing with him, which just bugs me. <laughs> That's for me. <laughs> Actually, it was, it was Dave, but yeah, you, yeah, Drake. Yeah. Sure, sure.